This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Yeah. <clears throat> Looks like everything is lined. Looks like everything is lined right now, so we're just going to go through it. So again, I apologize for the delay. I want to welcome everybody for joining. I want to welcome all our Torah Anytime uh, viewers for, um, for, for joining in. So tonight, tonight, before we actually get started, um, one announcement. We did have an issue for, you know, in the past few classes, whoever seen it online with the audio. So Baruch Hashem Shimon from Kol Yaakov reached out to me. We're going to try to arrange uh, a new camera system, a new camera, a new audio, apparently like something that's like uh, very high tech above and beyond, like something that's really amazing. So there is an opportunity for whoever wants to donate to be, uh, to, you know, towards this camera. There is already, um, part of it is already sponsored. Um, uh, I'm going to be covering part of it also. And, and so, so whoever wants to donate, I think the total cost is like two grand or something like that, something along those lines. Um, the Shimon Kalyakov didn't give me the final, uh, final answer. So whoever wants to donate, send a donation to Torah anytime. But just if you could just write in there for Rabbi Zitron camera or, um, or, or send me, or better yet, whatever you do right, just send me a picture, an email or a text message of what the donation is, so I have a calculation of how much needs to be uh, raised. I, I do believe this is going to, uh, you know, go fast um, in raising this money, so whoever does want to, uh, you know, do it sooner rather than later, because Bezalat it's going to it's going to get covered uh, fairly quickly. These are one of the few things that people jump on that I've noticed, and that's because you kind of get a part in everything that comes out from that camera, any, any class that comes out to that camera. Um, but again, you could always donate more for Torah anytime. Even if it doesn't come to this camera, it's going to go to some other amazing rabbi speaker. So probably, not probably, very likely, 100% likely that they're going to be better than mine. So you might as well just donate to other rabbi cameras on, uh, on Torah anytime because you get part of the reward for everything that, um, that comes out of that camera. And it's really, really a huge, a huge thing. Okay. So, uh, tonight we are learning Le'iluni Shmat. Avram ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechaskel ben Avraham. And there was also another one. I'm sorry, I don't have it. I, I kept on signing out, but somebody else wanted to also put another name. I, it's not in the chat anymore. I was looking over here. Just please send it in. I'm going to see, as soon as I send it in, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention it as well. So we will continue. We'll, we'll start and then we'll, we'll mention the name whenever, whenever it comes in. So tonight, the topic that I really want to speak about um, and I was actually going through which I really want to wrap up the Immuna series and I want to kind of, you know, have it um, closed off. And we have a few more topics that we need to touch on to sort of close it off. So I want to, you know, touch on a few of those topics in the coming weeks and then we'll be able to close it off moving on to the next uh, the next thing. Um, okay, the names did come in. For a fourth time, for Nadav and Ben Irit, Chaya. And Sarah Bat Rachel. Okay, so the, um, the, the, the topic that I did want to touch on tonight, with Hashem's help, is regarding things, this is something, even before we speak about the topic, this is something that is, is, is a huge, huge help in relationships. Uh, meaning that a lot of problems come out from relationships when one doesn't have this mindset. So, so let, let, let's try to break this down a little bit. So, um, the personalities that people have tend to affect their relationships. So sometimes you have a personality of someone who just doesn't care. Meaning they're, not that they don't care in a negative aspect, 
they don't care in a like kind of a positive aspect meaning that if their spouse hurts them insults them they're like okay whatever it doesn't matter like it doesn't it doesn't affect them so those type of people they don't get into fights so to speak with their spouses with their employees with their employees because they don't take things personally it's a, it's an amazing if you ever meet you know some of these people it's really really amazing to have um you know to speak to these people where they really they're not phased by by so many things and it's it's really an unbe- unbelievable level but for the most people you know we do get phased and if our friend our spouse our family member they do something and it hurts us and it affects us it we respond you know accordingly and sometimes to the positive and sometimes sometimes to the negative the idea of this class is to realize that when something bad happens to you meaning that if your friend insults you your spouse hurts you your employer doesn't give you enough money whatever is the issue to realize that it's all from hakadosh baruch hu it's all from god and they are just the messengers and it's not the person that hurt us affected us insulted us but rather it's coming directly from us you know to take this to take this a step further many of us tend to play the blame game and the blame game is usually done in the mind and i would like to say uh, from what i've gathered i think this is more men associated problem than a woman when uh when you deal with a couple and there's a husband and a wife that having a let's call it a disagreement they um you know they come to the rabbi and they discuss it and then at the end the wife you know at the conclusion you know whatever the conclusion was the wife is usually okay we have to work on it but sometimes the the man wants to have like one final part they're like so so who was wrong over here like who is right as if like they're keeping score like there's always somebody wrong and there's always somebody right and there's sort of it's part of the blame game and again it's not only by men but i've just seen it i've seen it more of men and it's kind of like so who is wrong over here and the blame game now when we when we look at the blame game So when something is our fault, we get upset about it, but to a certain extent, when so, when it's somebody else's fault, it takes that upsetness, that anger to a whole nother level. Be like, wait a minute, how did this person, if this person was the blame to cause me this problem and we have so many issues with that. If we realize that the blame does not lie in our spouse, in our friend, it has nothing to do with them. And in fact, they were messengers from Akadosh Baruch Hu. Does that mean that if you hurt your spouse, you can be like, listen, <laughs> listen, honey, what can I tell you? Like, I'm just a messenger. He says, you got a problem not with me. You got to speak to the guy upstairs. That's the guy that you had the problem with. Of course, that's not the way that we need to respond to accusations. That's not the way that we need to respond to things that we need to work on. But when we are looking on it internally, we have to realize that it's not the spouse. It's not the friend. It's not the employer. It's not the family member. Rather, it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is from... Um, it is from God, and we don't know how many how many siblings don't speak to each other because of what this one did and that one did. And if you only knew that, and it goes on and on, and how much hurt and pain that people have gone through. But if they stop for a second, be like, okay, maybe the sibling did a crazy thing that they were a hundred percent wrong. But if you really believe that what they did is from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, then the amount of blame that you have on them. Is like how much can you blame them? Okay, fine. You can be a little bit hurt. Obviously, we're normal. We're human. We have you know natural tendencies to have emotional reactions to different things that affect us. But at the set, at, at the same time, you realize. But wait a minute. 
to what level am I going to get upset? To what level am I going to go and I'm going to change my whole life, I'm going to change my whole outlook, I'm going to separate families because of this, when you realize that it's all from God, it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they are just the messenger. They're the ones that said the bad things to you, but really HaKadosh Baruch Hu said this is going to be said to you, and they're the ones that were the messenger. You look at, unfortunately, how many lawsuits divorces, like the list goes on and on and on on how many problems that happen in our interpersonal relationships all because we have a mindset that the other person hurt me. Now granted, the other person did hurt you, but it was, it was, it was, they were the, the, the messenger that comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we realize that so many problems in our life go away. So many issues in our life go away. Now, this concept is a very easy concept to think about, but it's extremely hard to implement. Like, we're going to be speaking about it tonight, there's a lot of time. We're going to go through these, the, you know, the, the, the different things and the different situations and different stories, and you're going to be able to go and you're going to be able to understand and be like, wow, that's a beautiful idea, really I should implement it in my life. But once you come and you try to implement it, it is going to be hard. Oh, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be extremely, extremely hard to implement this thing. So what we're going to try to give you tonight is just a different viewpoint on how to see certain things. But the implementation of this in your own life, that is something that you're going to have to do on a consistent basis. Meaning that the way that you implement this is that you have to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in your day-to-day observance of life, of everything that happens. The more that you associate everything that happens in your day to God, then also the bad you'll be able to associate with God. If you just wait for difficult things to happen, and then you're going to try to work on it and say, okay, you know what? The reason why my spouse said this, the reason why my family member said this, and now I'm hurt, is really because of God. It's going to work on a very minimalistic level. If you really want to get to the higher level of this, you have to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every single area of your life. Even things that seem like insignificant. The fact that there isn't one person ahead of you while you're driving. The fact that you forgot your lunch. The fact that you have to go to the bathroom. The fact that you're listening here. Everything, when you break it down, that if you're able to break down everything in your life, that it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you will be able to go and you'll be able to internalize it when it becomes difficult. The Chobos Alvavas brings a, an example, a story on how to, how to understand this. Imagine you have a king, and this king finds out that there is a certain person that is, uh, you know, starting a rebellion against the king. So the king calls his chief advisor, and he says, listen, I hear from the word around the street is that this person, he is going, he is causing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of issues and this is what's going to happen. He's going to, uh, uh, be, uh, you know, making a rebellion. And this chief of police goes and calls the chief of police. The chief of, the chief advisor, I'm sorry, calls the chief of police and he says, listen, get this guy, arrest him, put him in the, you know, in prison. And the chief of police goes and he finds a policeman. And he says, this is the warrant for this person's arrest. Go arrest this person. This policeman travels to this guy's home, arrests this guy who's going to make the rebellion, and throws him in prison. Now, the prison warden is taking care of this uh, rebellious you know, person in this kingdom. And the 
this, this, this person who's sitting in prison starts crying and screaming and begging at the prison warden. Please, you know, let me out. Please let me go. Please let me... Screaming and screaming and screaming. And the prison warden is thinking, says, wait a minute. He says, why are you angry with me? Like, I have literally nothing to do with what you have to go. And in fact, he should not be angry, not at the police, not at the, um, not at the, not at the chief of police, not at the chief advisor. The only person that it pays for this person to beg is only the king. Only the king can get him out. What happens is that when we go and we get affected by the policeman that gave the ticket or the person that, you know, scream at us in the parking lot or whatever it is that's going on, we're not, we're not putting our, our, I don't want to say rage. We're not putting our complaints to the right deposit box. We're going to the people that have nothing to do with it. Like you're going to go and you're going to scream at the police. The policeman can't say, okay, fine, I'll let you go. The policeman has to arrest them. But rather, who, who does he have to go? He has to go to the king and that's who is the one that's going to be able to let him out. That's who the one that he has to plead with. So one of the things that we have to realize is who do we put? Who do we put this? Uh, you know, the, the blame to. I'm sorry. I have to. Real, one of the things I realize right now is I'm on my phone and I have a battery that's that's running out, and that's the zoom is on it. So let me just get a quick uh, wire that I can plug it in, so that at least this you know should uh, you know should be able to continue. How this is going to work, I have no idea. This is like a hilarious, hilarious disaster. I, I feel bad. People that are listening and at le- afterwards on the lecture have no idea what's what's going on. But okay, so I'm gonna have to turn it on the size. I apologize, guys. Okay, so I hope I hope we're all we're all still good. Okay, so the idea is is that when we're going and we have an issue, we tend to sometimes place the blame or the issue in a wrong location, a wrong destination. And that is the idea when we have, you know, a messenger and the messenger, meaning that the where the messenger comes and stops and where the person that sends the message, where it goes on. So the, um, you know, we're coming very close to Purim. And one of my, I don't know if you could say this, uh, but one of my favorite psukim in the Megillah is in, in the Megillah's Esther, in the fourth chapter, Parak Dalad, Pasuk Yedalad. And the, the background behind this, I, I speak about this so often because this, this is just like such an awesome, awesome Pasuk. Uh, if I could even say that, I don't know, all Pasukim are awesome. I don't know, I, this is what I connect to, I guess I could say. But um, the Pasuk, the, 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 the background to this Pasuk is, is Mordechai goes and tells Esther, says, listen, I want you to go to the king and try to get the Jew, you know, try to, try to, try to get the another decree. And Esther was nervous. She says, I haven't been by the king for 30 days. How am I going to go? Like, like, you know, she's nervous. And she's going, she's waiting for Mordechai to be able to give her a sort of a, uh, you know, a pep talk. And the pep talk that comes out is Mordechai goes and tells her, Revach v'hatzala yamud la yehudim in makam acher. He says, with, the literal translation is, is like, listen, Esther. He says, the Jews are going to get saved. Whether it comes from you or whether it comes from somebody else, it's going to happen. The question is, do you want to be part of the solution? Or do you want the solution to be found somewhere else? The Jews will get saved. Do you want to do it or do you not want to do it? And that's the pep talk that he gave. Meaning that the final... I wasn't going to say the final solution, but, but, you know, the, that's a very sensitive thing to say. But the, fi- the final solution for in the, in the, in the per- is the Jews got saved. 
That was the fine. That's what happened. The question was, is Esther going to be a part of that solution? Or is Akadish Baruch going to find someone else? And that's why the Maharal says, Mimakam Acher, Mimakam, that's, that's Akadish Baruch. Akadish Baruch, one of the, one of the names is Makam. Meaning that Akadish Baruch was going to save us one way or the other. You could either be part of them, you could either be the messenger, or you don't have to be the messenger, and somebody else is going to be the messenger. Meaning that many things in our life, happen and we think if this person wouldn't be here then this wouldn't happen nonsense it's going to happen anyway the question is this person was the messenger or somebody else was the messenger and it could happen for the good also you could be like okay if only i would have been over here i would have gotten this no you weren't going to get it either way this person was a messenger for somebody else even you can't say oh the right place at the right time if only i would have invested in this stock if only i would have there's nothing if only if it was meant for you you would have gotten it if it wasn't meant for you you're not going to get it it doesn't matter from today until tomorrow there's you know the, the, the regrets and the things that we go on it, it's it's irrelevant to the point that you know when people are dating and uh um you know and, and I, I deal with this quite often where people are dating and, and they really like the other side and the other side breaks it off and it's difficult it's very difficult rejection is not an easy thing to deal with and they have to deal with this with this rejection and you know many times people think and be like you know i would have been so happy like I finally, after so many years of dating, I finally found the guy or I finally found the girl that was good enough for me. And this was, was someone that every, checked off all the boxes. And now they said no. And like, now I'm never going to be happy. This was the person I was going to be happy. And they really, they feel terrible about it. But the answer is it's 100% not that wasn't meant for you. The fact that they said no was the biggest blessing that you could ever have. Because how so, so many times we get nervous. Are we making the right choice or we're not making the right choice? When somebody else makes the right choice, you can tell like this, listen, I did my part. I was willing to go forward. If he didn't go, if he didn't want to continue, if she didn't want to continue, it must be that this is Minashamayat. It must be that this is, meaning that this is the best thing that could have happened to you. The last thing that we want is to marry somebody that's wrong for us. Marry somebody that's not correct for us. You know, and, and this idea is across the board in every single subject that we deal with. You know, I, I had a, a, a very close friend of mine that uh, passed away. This is, you're going back already 12, 13, almost 12 and a half, a little bit over 12 years. And he got hit by a drunk driver and, uh, you know, he passed away, uh, like like instantly, like on the, on the spot. And, you know, when, when this was happening, you know, a few of my friends, they were like, okay, well, you not, you know, like there was a lawsuit. There was not a lawsuit. There was a, there was a, um, there was a, the whole court case with, you know, the person who was driving was drunk and, and I wasn't really involved in it. I never went once into the court, into the court thing. I was not involved in all. And one of my friends were like, like, you don't care? I'm like, you know, of course I care, but like, it, do, it doesn't matter. And they were like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? If this person wouldn't have been there, he would have still been alive today. And if this person would have been doing this, he would have been, you know, like, and I'm like, no, 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 that, that, that's not, no. Like, this was his time. It happens to be this person was the messenger to, to take him. Am I, do I want, you know, this person to, you know, pay for what he has done? Yeah, of course, I'm human and I want, yeah. I, I, but is it going to make a difference if I go, no, it doesn't make any difference at all. The difference if I'm there or not, like I, I, like I didn't, it didn't associate with me with, with one person to another. Like he was my friend and I cared very much. He was my chavrusa for nine years. I, you know, like, like, you know, I was very close. It was a showmer at my wedding. It was like one of my, it was probably at that point, he was my closest friend. Like, 
did I care? Of course I cared. But did it matter about what the person was the messenger? Like, it, it, it didn't matter if he sat in prison for five years or for eight years and what's going to happen at the end. And, you know, like, to the fact that I didn't, it didn't even, like, register as something that I need to, like, follow up with. He ended up sitting in for, for you know, for a few years in prison and then he got, uh, he got released. But did it make a, di- it, it didn't make a difference. It, this was the person's time and this was the person's messenger. Obviously they have to, you know, Get what's what's coming for them, and that, but that's a good Baruch Hu. has nothing to do with what with me. You know, the the there's an interesting story in the Gemara and Sukkah that um, David, uh, Shlomo Amelach had two scribes, two two like uh, Kushite scribes, and uh, uh, one day Shlomo Amelach sees the angel of death, the Malach Amavis, and the Malach Amavis looks sad. So Shlomo Amelach goes over and says, "Why? Why are you sad?" And he says, you know, your two scribes, I need to um, bring them to the next world. It's time for them to die. So Shlomo Melech hears this, and he quickly takes his scribes, tell, tells them, he says, go to the city of Luz. The city of Luz is a place where the, where the angel of death has no control. Reasons of why for a different time. But the angel of death has no control over them. So the, the king's scribes, they arrived at the gates to the city, and before they had a chance to enter the city and kind of like be saved... They died over there. The next day, Shlomo Amalek sees the angel of death, and he sees that he was very happy. And he goes to the angel of death, and he says, why are you happy? And the angel of death, Malachim Abbas, goes and says, you sent the king's scribes, you sent the scribes to the place where I was commanded to take their souls. Meaning that the angel of death was telling Shlomo Amalek, the only place that I was able to go and take their souls is in the entrance to the city of Luz. But they were in Jerusalem next to you. And I was so sad the day before because I was like, how am I going to get them from one place to another? And, you know, I just told you that, you know, that I was sad that they, they were going to die. And you sent them to the angel, to, to the, to the gates of the city of Luz, meaning that you sent them to technically to the death. And then Maharsha goes and explains that Shlomo Amalek thought that the angel of death was sad because he didn't want to take these two souls, these two people. But really, the reason why he was sad is because he couldn't take these two people because they were not in the right location. A person has to be in the right place, in the right time, in the right... Everything has to file exactly the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed it. And the problem is that they were not where they were supposed to... Well, I shouldn't say they were not where they're supposed to be. They were not where they were intended to be, to be, you know, taken to the next world. And what happened was Shlomo Melech thought that he was saving them, but really he was sending them directly to their death, directly where they needed to go. And that is the way that we have to see, you know, the things in our life. It wasn't, Shlomo Melch didn't, you know, like, it was going to happen. And the way that it happened, it was the way that just Shlomo Melch was, you know, di- directed them to there because he was thought that he was saving them. And how many times in our life do we come to a certain place and we think, oh my gosh, if only I wouldn't be here. Like, no, you had to be there. You had to be where you are. The person had to say what they said to you. You had to invest in this. You had to go into this degree. You had to go into this. There's like so many things that happen in our life. And if we only realize that this is where we needed to be, all of a sudden there is a different mindset that we see things. There is a different mindset that we, that we, that we see our life. Now, of course, I have to put a very big caveat over here. If somebody goes and does a sin, you can't say, well, this is what I was supposed to do. Like, no, 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 if you do a sin, you have to do tshuva. And you can't say, this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want you to sin. And if, God forbid, you sin, you have to do tshuva. That's on you. But when things happen that are outside our control, even though it was a mistake that we made, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us there. Either He sent us the messengers that needed to be there, or we were the messenger, but we were where we needed to be. You know, when, when someone gets sick, 
God decrees what goes wrong, when it goes wrong, how long it's going to go wrong, how painful it's going to be, what's, when is it going to go away, by which medication, by which doctor. The Gemara, the Avodah Zara discussed this exactly, of like when everything is going to, everything is decreed. You know, you wake up with a stiff neck, there, it was decreed by the Sparkle. And this is something that I can attest to. Like, I get, you know, Baruch Hashem, it's been for a while that I haven't got stiff necks, but I had back issues. And like, you know, I, there was a one point I was getting stiff necks for, for like very, very often. Baruch Hashem, you know, it's, it's, it's been getting better. But like, when you, when you think about it, you know, you wake up and be like, oh, you know why? Because I didn't sleep in the right way. Because I went over here and I was leaning on this and I didn't have the right pillow and I was too hot and I was too... And you're trying to think all these... But at the end of the day, if you take a step back and be like, no. HaKadosh Baruch wanted me to have a stiff neck and that's why I have a stiff neck. Again, granted, if you sit in a bad position and you, you, we have to take care of ourselves, obviously, but I'm assuming that we're doing everything more or less to the right level. After that, it's, it's out of our control. The Tzitzah Leezer actually says something very interesting. That even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides what will go wrong, when it will go wrong, how well, how long it will go wrong, when a person prays, they have the ability to bring their healing earlier. Meaning that even though we have a decree, we do have flexibility in that decree. We do have the ability to heal ourselves. Now, again, what's the healing ourselves? It's not by, you know, going through some sort of medication process. Obviously, you have to go and follow whatever the doctor says. But rather, is through prayer, through tefillot, we're able to go and bring the healing earlier than it was intended to be. So we do have some sort of, of access to fluctuate of where everything goes. But for the most part, it was the creed. And if it was uh, somebody that hurt you, they were the messenger. If someone that benefited you, they were the messenger. Does it mean that you're not going to thank them? No, you're going to thank them because they were the messenger. Does it mean that you're not going to, you know, get retribution? No, to each their own, you have to get retribution, whatever it is that you need to, uh, you need to get to. The, there was a Makubal by the name of Rabbi Daniel Frisch. The Rabbi Daniel Frisch, he was, uh, um, he, he wrote many, many sparm. One of the famous ones is called Matok Midvash. It's, uh, it's, it's an explanation on the Zohar colors. And now they have it on the, you know, they have on everything. You, can, you even get the Haggadah. One of my Haggadahs that I use is, is from uh, the Matak Midvash, uh, um, you know, like, like, um, edition of where he brings down different things from the, from the Zohar Alpi Kabbalah. So when he would come to America, he would, um, to, he would, he would try to raise money for, for, to print his far. And he stayed at a particular person's uh, uh, family, a particular home. And while he was home, he would he would write his uh, you know while he was at this home, he would write his uh, you know perushim, his uh, you know his his Torah writings on the Zohar, whatever it is that he was writing at that time. And uh, you know it, it was very difficult for him to write because his his fingers were very swollen and it was infected and everything that he wrote it took such a long time. If you realize like you know like what people go through to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu and what they went through and how difficult. Now you want to write something, you just type it up. It's so easy now, and, and very soon it's going to be voice to to a text dictation. You know everybody's working on these AI things and things are like happening so fast, but. Like the tzaddikim of, the, of, of just like the previous generation, if they want, and even in this current generation, they want to write something. They have to write it with pen, and they have to go through it. And especially if it if it hurts you, and I remember in in, uh, 
in, in high school, I used to write a lot. And even afterwards, in base medicine, I used to write a lot that I used to get like bumps on my hand. And it would be so painful to write. And I would have to change the position of my pen to try to write. And this is just like a minor thing. But imagine someone who has swollen hands and it's infected. And every letter is so painful. And he would sit here to the late hours of night and he would write his um, his Purushim on the czar. And one night, uh, someone from the family went up to the rabbi and tried to ask them questions. And the rabbi was, was, you know, very engrossed in his writing, but he posed it and, you know, give respect to he's staying in their house and he started answering, uh, you know, their question. During the conversation, the person that was speaking to them got a little bit excited and, you know, moved their hands a little bit quickly and there was a cup of juice over there and the juice spilled and went over all over the pages of this rabbi's handwritings. Hand, the, the pages where he spent hours and hours of exhaustion, of pain, that he was sitting there and meticulously going through painful letter by letter. And the person realized on how much the rabbi was going through and he felt so bad. And he's like, Rabbi, I am so sorry. And he was apologizing and he was going on, he was trying to clean it up, you know, at a certain point the damage was done already. And the rabbi goes over to him and he says, why are you asking me for forgiveness? He says, you, you have to know something. He says, many, many, many years ago, before I was born, before you were born, before the world was created even, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew exactly what's going to happen. And he knew that at this, at this time, exactly, there was going to be a Jew by the name of Daniel Frisch, and he's going to be in this place in America, and he's going to be writing his notes, and there's going to be grape juice that's going to spill over all his notes. This was already decreed a long time ago. He says, this is what Hashem planned. He says, why are you, why are you even apologizing? Like this rabbi was on a, such a high level that the apology didn't even register. Like, no, this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It has nothing to do with you. Meaning that, forget about, forget about like not being upset at all. Like, he wasn't upset about the other person. He wasn't upset about the situation. If you pause this story for a moment, do you realize on how much of a level this is? Like if we get upset, about a, a friend, a neighbor, a spouse, whatever it is, and we say, you know what, okay, fine, it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. we're still upset, we're just not, the, 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 the anger, the upsetness, the frustration, it's not directed to the, to the person, it's, you know, we're upset, you can't be angry at HaKadosh Baruch Hu. you know, like, this is God, obviously, you can't be angry at God, but you're still like this feeling, you know the level, the next level up is that you're not even upset. Like he wasn't even upset. You know what it means to spend hours and hours preparing for something, writing something, and then it goes away? Like I know, like I remember, Baruch Hashem, it hasn't happened to me for a while, but like I remember this, uh, you know, a while ago. It's still like vividly I remember this where I was preparing for a shear and I wrote up a whole bunch of notes and I lost it all. And I was like, no, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you know, I spent so many hours on it and preparing it and I just, I couldn't find it. It was just like, it was lost. I had to start from the beginning. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like such a pain because it's not only, it's, it's not about like doing it again. There's like special siyata deshmaya when you do something and when you're learning that you get different chidusha. Like, you know, like even if you learn the same stuff again, are you going to get the same chidusha again? And, you know, Baruch Hashem, you know, I was able to, 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 to whatever, get to where I needed to get to. But the pain, the, like, the pain is like there. The fact that this rabbi had like zero, like he was, it didn't even upset him at all. That is such a high level that I don't think we can even begin to understand how high that level is. And that is really something that we should strive for. To not only realize that it's a messenger that sent us something, but not even to get upset about the situation. That's like going a whole nother level. 
you know, when when you go and you you speak to people about Parnassa, where they make their money, and uh, you know the different ideas that people have, and this is what's going to make me money. The Gemara Psachim says, "Ein adam A person doesn't know where he's going to own it, earn his money. There's so many stories, and even in the modern day, like where 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 people made money so unexpectedly that it didn't make sense. You know, like uh, give you some examples. Uh, the bubble wrap, right? People are familiar with the bubble wrap. Anything they usually buy, it's you know that that's. Uh, is some sort of, you know, uh, fragile. In any way, they have something called bubble wrap. Either it's one big bubble now they make or a bunch of little bubbles. How did this come? Where was this invention? How did this uh, come into? There were two engineers by the name of Mark Chavanis and Al Fielding that in the 1960s, they wanted to make a new wallpaper. And they introduced this bubble wrap. Again, what the thought process behind it with bubble wrap and wallpaper, I, I can't even begin to understand. But they wanted to make this, t- and this is how they, this is what they envisioned. And so they, but, and, and it was a complete failure. Total failure. Did not go. So then they're like, okay, they had this invention, this bubble wrap. What are we going to do it? We're going to, let's use it for insulation for the houses. But like, when you think about, you know, insulation of the houses of ear, that, that's not insulation. It's, you know, it's not going to do anything. That failed as well. And they had this bubble wrap sitting around until eventually how it ended up happening, IBM got a hold of it. And IBM were, you know, where they were launching, you know, computers. And they needed to transport it. They were like, okay, well, this one gives a little bit. This is a good idea. And that's where the bubble wrap became introduced into packaging and, you know, and delivery. And then it became like a crazy success, like overnight, where things that they wouldn't even begin to like ever, like they wouldn't even begin to, to put it into that. They put it into completely somewhere else. And then like the, the, the salvation came from a completely different angle. Meaning they can't say, oh, I saw a need for it and I had a good idea and this is what I put into it. I was a good businessman and this is why it has nothing to do with that. It happened to be by accident after one fail and after another fail. Then you were able to get into the final, you know, you know, success. The, one of the, one, not one of, I'm sorry, the largest maker of paints, um, I, I want to say in the world, but definitely in the United States is, uh, the Levy, uh, Stra- Levy pants, Levy jeans, uh, Levy Strauss. Uh, was actually a Jew, an immigrant Jew, where he came in from uh, from San Francisco in the 1850s, and he came in to do, for the gold rush. And uh, what, what what his his mindset behind it going into this gold rush was that he had a roll of canvas in his bag that he was planning to sell to for for to, for people to make tents where they're going and you know in this. Uh, Whatever it is that they're doing, the mining outside, and as he was, as he landed, you know, and and he was landed by the ship, not obviously the plane, but as he landed over there, he, you know, there was a friendly miner that said, you know, like we don't have good pants over here. We don't have strong pants over here. Pants are always ripping. And this Levy Strauss, Levy Strauss, literally, uh, he was uh, he was thinking, okay, you know, I had this material. I was going to sell it to make, you know, for people to make tent. Maybe I should go to a tailor and try to make it have it uh, with, you know, pants. Now, on the boat, you know, you would ne- he would never think, okay, I have material. I don't know if you have ever seen material for, for tents, but you would never think, hmm, this will be good for pants. You know, like, you would never consider that. You're sitting on a hammock and be like, you know what, let me make this into a nice shirt. This material that's holding me up, let me make this. Why would you even begin to think about that? But he got off the boat, and then this miner just happened to come up and say, you know, like, I can't I get so frustrated when these pants are always ripping. And now he's holding a bunch of material, and the material is very, very strong. It's made for tents. He says, you know what, let me try to make some pants. And he, and he made a few pairs of pants, 
And it became like the talk of the town. People were like, oh, you know what? I've got these. These are the pants of Levi's. Uh, and they were like, the pants of Levi's? What, what do you mean the pants of Levi's? Oh, this is really, really strong. It's very, very difficult to rip. It's meant to be, you know, like meant for tents. And they go, long story short, as of February 1st, 2023, Levi Strauss, this company is worth over $7 billion for something that he never even intended to go into that business. They were in some sort of dry food business, dry goods business. They were, one thing, there, it wasn't the idea HaKadosh Baruch Hu put them in the right situation. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them an idea. It wasn't anything to do with them. And in fact, even if you take this a step further, you look at products that make no sense that they're successful. You ever see that? Like sometimes you're like, how is this successful? Like I, I, I don't even begin to understand the success in this. One of the things, and this is maybe my own you know, thing. I, people maybe will disagree with me with that. But when, when Crocs first came out, and you're like, like, why would anybody ever buy such a thing? And let me just, let me just start this off by saying, I own Crocs. Like I, you know, like, uh, you know, my kids have Crocs. Like this is something that I've subscribed to. But when it came out, and even to this day, I, I really don't understand it, right? But when it came out, imagine somebody came to you with this investment opportunity. Be like, okay, listen, I want to make a shoe. And they were like, oh, okay, a shoe. Like, is it going to be like stylish? No, no, <laughs> no, we're going to make it look like a block. You know, like very, like as if you have an infection in your foot that you could fit. Like, not, not like, the triple the size of a normal shoe, like really, really thick. I'd be like, okay, all right. So is it going to be like a good solid shoe? We're going to make holes in it everywhere. It's going to be, I don't know, maybe ventilation. We'll see what that, and be like, so you can make a, a shoe that's huge, full of holes. I'd be like, it must be that there's going to be some sort of good material that's going to be, and we're going to make it out of foam. That's what we're going to make it at. It'd be like, who would invest in such a thing? A shoe full of holes that is not stylish, that is, you know, that's going to be big and clunky. Like, why would you ever get into that type of, like, you know, like business? But yet right now, it's over a $7 billion business. It's, and in fact, I searched this today, the number one selling product on Amazon in clothing, shoes, and jewelry is is Crocs. That's the number one selling item. At least that's when, when I searched for it. That's, what, that's, that's when I came out. And you think about it, be like, does this person think that they were a good businessman? And they're like, no. Like, they were supposed to make the money. Crocs was the messenger on how they were going to make the money. Even to this day, I mean, I wear it, okay, it is, it is kind of comfortable. It has like this weird, you know, feeling towards it. Like it's, it's like, it's like soft but hard. Oh, I can't explain it. But, well, I don't need to explain it. Anybody, everybody knows what it is. But when you think about it, be like, why is it so successful? But yet you'll buy it because like the first thing that you think about it, it'll be like comfort. But when you really think about it, be like, really comfort? It's not, not leather. It's not, like, there's so many other things that it doesn't even make sense. But like, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted this person to be successful, or this product to be successful. So we're all messengers for this person to make a lot of money. Like, we're all there. Ganted, we want it, we buy it, we sell it to it. Even to the point that at one point there were these, I forgot what these are called, where they would design the cracks. So in the holes, they would put... Pins, I don't know, maybe somebody knows what I'm talking about over here. Little gadgets where they, they pick, and they would, you know, bedazzle the Crocs. And that became a multi-million dollar business. Again, I don't know if it's still, you know, in existence today, but that became, and you think about it, be like, what, like, how? How did this get into like, how did this become so popular? And, and like, where, where did this come from? And the answer is, there's no like, there's no right, Baruch wanted it to be popular, and that's it. 
That's why I can Baruchu clock pens. Thank you very much. That's why I can Baruchu wanted it to you know to you know to be popular. So even to the next point, you have this product. The the product is called ugly sweaters. Imagine somebody again. You think of it as from an investor perspective. Somebody comes in and be like, listen. I want to make a product, and the product is going to be sweaters, but I want it to be ugly. Like, like I want to sell ugly things. Like, why would you ever, and like, to begin to even try to explain this sales pitch, it's like, oh no, as a comedy thing for holidays or people, this is, I, the, the, this market, hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think it's a billion dollar business yet, but hundreds of millions of dollars go through this annually on ugly sweaters. And you think about it, be like, what is going on over here? It's not our business idea that, you know, like, that makes us wealthy. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be successful, he'll give us successful. And there's going to be different messengers that come in, whether it's different products, whether it's different ideas, whether it's, whatever it is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will make us successful. So, and you, you, you take this into the next in the next step where you have people that, let's say, are, um, you know, I was listen, recently uh, listening to something on, oh, now I forgot his name, one of the biggest drug dealers in, um, in history, El Chapo, I think his name is, and he is sitting in a prison, and this prison is solitary confinement in like, you know, uh, you know, uh, whatever in America. And he made a lot of money, you know, selling, selling drugs. Um, uh, well that, which is the point where I wanted to get to. And, and you would think, okay, listen, he's sitting in prison, but at least he made a lot of money while he was out. He was very, very, very successful. One of the most powerful, you know, uh, and, and the wealthiest, you know, drug lords, you know, in, you know, I don't know if it's, I'd say in history, but I would guess to say in history. And you would think, like, okay, so, you know, even though he's sitting now, but, but maybe it was worth it for the time being. And when you look at the answer from the spiritual perspective, really, 100% not. 100% has, was not worth it at all. This person, El Chapo, he was going to make this money either way. The question was where he was going to make the money from. Is he going to make it from cocaine or he was going to make it from other legit businesses? Meaning that he decided where he was going. He was decreed that he was going to make X amount of money. The question is now where he's going to go. Meaning that we have free will. And messengers is not only people. Also, it's, 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 it's where we want to go. He decided that his messenger for wealth is going to be illegal substances. He could have just the same have gone into real estate, has gone into something else, and he would have been just as wealthy. You don't, you don't, you don't gain by doing something against God or doing something illegal. You don't gain from that. You are going to make that money either way. And that's why when you have some times you see people that made millions of billions of dollars in crime and theft and all these different things and they say, okay, at least I made that. No, 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 that's the worst. That's a hundred percent the incorrect thought process. You were going to make that money either way. And now the question is, is now not only you did a sin because you caused many people, not many, like who knows how many people you know, that died on it, addiction, lost their family, that's all on you. And all now only that, this person sitting in prison and now he's not able to enjoy this money. Or if he would have done it the right way, he would have been able to enjoy this money, to be living in, in a more comfortable lifestyle than he is right now. He would have been able to do everything in a, such a, a, such an, a, 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 such a different level. And this is a lesson for all of us. It's not about 
what we did and if we're able to get something sometimes we like to you know i i don't want to say the word cheat or sketch but if we're able to get something out we feel a little bit good okay we were able to get it if you're going to supposed to make a certain amount of money then you're going to get that money if you try to finagle and sketch and cheat and do it from a different angle you're not save you're not getting yourself anything more you can't get yourself you can't take more money than you were decreed by god to get and if you are decreed an X amount of money, you're going to get that X amount of money. You're going to try to get more. You're going to only end up losing that in a different, uh, different circumstances, whether it's health, whether it's uh, investments, whatever it is, it's going to end up happening. You're going to balance out at the end the same. You know, when I was in Israel, and I'm sorry, I'm, uh, we started a little bit late, so I'm going to try not to go too, too, uh, too late, but I want to get at least a bulk of this idea through. Uh, there was a, you know, I was in Israel, and and you see like like people that live in. Uh, first of all, I, I don't even know how they live. Uh, to be honest, how do they not? How do they live like financially? Like how are they able to their you know the the, the weddings and they're 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 paying for and they sit and learn all day. They're not working. The wife that works and the, you know like you see it's not like one or two people over there. Like I was staying in Yerushalayim. And this entire shul, like, I don't know if there was anybody that was working there. Like, everybody sits and learns. That's what, that's what they do. I was, I was, uh, you know, when I was in Israel, I stayed in Matastov near my sister's, uh, near my sister's house. And I, you know, that's, that's where I stayed. And I went to Davin over there. And everybody over there, it's like, they were still in Yeshiva, like Yeshiva Bracham. Tremendous credit I give them. Tremendous, like, like the, the, the fact of what they're able to like sit and, and learn and, and the, in this tiny apartments and they're able to sacrifice everything for HaKadosh Baruch But yet they're all able to survive. And if you think, okay, it's cheap over there, it's not cheap over there. You go to the supermarket, everything, it's more expensive, things are very expensive over there. The fact that they're able to survive is because HaKadosh Baruch said that they're going, they're going to get a certain amount of money and they get a certain amount of money. How are they going to get it? They get it. It, that that's the miraculous part of it. Uh, there was a person that was making a a simcha, and he set aside money for the occasion. And uh, um, later, you know, as it got closer, he realized that he he set aside insufficient funds. And the problem was that this person does not like going into debt. He didn't want to go and borrow any money. And so he started davening to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, "Please help me, Hashem. I don't want to go into debt, but I, I'm I'm down fifteen thousand dollars for this uh, this thing that I need to do." I says, "Can you please just send it to me?" One night he was uh, in a, his dafiomi class, and another participant in the shir walked up to him and uh, began to say, "He says, I know you're making a simcha." He he says, um, "How much are you short?" So the man says, what makes you think I'm short? Like, you, you know, like obviously, you know, like it's a little embarrassing to say you're short. It's like, well, what makes you think that, uh, you know, that I'm short? Um, uh, so the man says, no, no, no. Says, you know, like, come on, tell me. He says, no, no, really, I'm fine. And the man persisted. So finally, the guy says, you know what, to be honest, he says, I- I'm $15,000 short. So the man goes over to him and says, you know, I, I like helping people. Um, but I don't like lending money. So, so I don't want this money back. And he takes out his checkbook and he writes out a check and he hands it over to the guy. And the guy's like, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, like you need the money. You want to take it. He says it was a gift. It wasn't even that. He walks away. He opens up the check, $15,000. Everything that he was missing, problem solved just like that. Didn't need to return the money. It wasn't that he didn't, he he didn't lend it. Someone just gave him a gift of $15,000. There was another, there was a rabbi of a certain organization that uh, went into some financial difficulties. And they told this rabbi, says, you know, his salary is going down by $7,000 a year. Now, the problem is that the rabbi wasn't making, you know, money that he was able to put on the side. He was living paycheck to paycheck. $7,000 a year. He says, how am I going to survive? 
he goes, he goes and he starts dominating Takadish Baruch He starts praying. He says, you know, God, I know everything comes from you. He says, you know, like, I'm going to continue what I'm doing, but I need another $7,000. A week later, he gets a bill uh, from his insurance company. And the bill, he never gets a bill because it always goes to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company just collects a little bit extra for the insurance. And But he looked at the bill and he was paying seven thousand he was paying a tremendous like a very very high amount and the 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 plan that he was getting was not he's like he's like what's going on he calls the mortgage company he says why am i on this plan like and he's going back and forth and they realized he was really in a bad plan and he was really getting like you know like like not worth his value and he negotiated with this insurance company and they gave him a better coverage for instead of paying seven thousand dollars a year he was paying three thousand dollars a year and so, and what they, they, they felt bad of what they did. They sent him a refund of $4,000. So he needed $7,000. Now he has $4,000 a week later. Another week later, a week goes by and he gets a call from a shul who they say, listen, we need help with a minyanim to, you want, he was a rabbi, you need help leading the Rosh Hashanah services. And they said they want to bring him in for Rosh Hashanah. Compensation is, uh, $3,000. Within a few weeks, he made back exactly what he needed to make for uh, for the you know for for the year. So, meaning that we see that everything is from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Now, you could say, okay, these are nice stories, but it never happens to me. Like, like I'll never like okay, these are nice. They're always in the stories, but never I never see this. And I have to say, it's one hundred percent incorrect. It happens to every single one of us. All we need to do is we need to look for it. The reason why these stories become stories is because these people looked into it. You have so many times that each and every single, I can guarantee you, every single one of you listening has some story that this happened. And by the way, if you have a good one, send it over. (laughs) I could always use more stories. But the difference why these stories make it into books and makes, makes it into speeches is because people stop and they think and be like, wait a minute. Look at how HaKadosh Baruch Hu works. Look at how I lost out over here, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent the messenger from here, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent the messenger from here, and at the end of the day, I got exactly what I needed to get. I want to, I know it's a little bit late. I, I want to finish off with a story. Um, this is a story that I may have mentioned once before, but it's a story that uh, I'm, I'm going to bring details that I definitely didn't uh, mention before. This is a story about a 16-year-old girl a 16-year-old girl by the name of Esther Gorski. This is Esther Gorski lived in Eatontown, New Jersey, a place not too far from me. And unfortunately, by the age of 16, she had an accident at uh, at the beach, and she had a it resulted in a broken nose. And uh, she was put under anesthesia to try to fix it, and there was a complication for whatever happened. And under anesthesia, she passed away. Now, her parents was uh, Dr. and Mrs. Gorsi, the, the, he was a gastroenterologist. They wanted to do something to, for the neshama of this, of this young girl. So they established a weekly Torah class for the daughter's friends, a bunch of 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. They would come and there would be 30, 40 girls that would come and they would meet and they would learn and the rabbi would speak. And it was a great schus for the, for the neshama of this girl. And a little bit after this class started, the Gorskis decided that they... He says, you know what, let's build a mikvah in the neighborhood in the, the daughter's uh, memory. So they found the location. Location, if anybody wants is to see the, the authenticity of the story, it's 16 Whale Pond Road in Edentown, New Jersey. And they decided to go into uh, construction. And the 
as they started the construction, as any construction project goes, the cost of construction started getting higher and higher and higher. And they gave the money and they tried to raise money, but they, they maxed out from like everywhere. And the contractor called them and he says, listen, he says, you know, we got to stop construction. You still, there's a final cost of $25,000 that's still missing and I can't continue until we can't finish it up until you until you you know give us the rest of the funds so he didn't know what to do and, and he's getting this is the doctor he was getting the call in his office so the doctor you know speaks over you know and, and then he hung, hangs up the phone there was a patient that was not too far that was able to overhear like part of the conversation this patient was a reformed Jew and uh, she goes over to the doctor and she says, you know, I couldn't help by overhearing, but he says, is this regarding your daughter? And the doctor said, you know, yeah. And she's like, what, what's what's going on? And the doctor started explaining. He says, you know, we're building a mikvah. This was a reformed Jew, which was, a, you know, like this ritual bathhouse. And he's starting to explain to her what the purpose of a mikvah is. And this reformed Jew says, you know, I, I want to do a good deed for your daughter. Can, I, can you take me to the, you know, the construction site? And the doctor says, yeah, absolutely. They scheduled a time, and they met by the site, and the doctor showed her, this is where this is going to be, and this is where the path, and this is where the showers, and he started showing her. And she was very, very impressed, and she says, you know, I, I want to be, be a part of it. And she took out her checkbook, and she wrote out a check for $25,000. And that's it, the problem was solved. The mikvah was, was, was constructed, and, and it, it, it finished a short while afterwards. A few weeks later, Mrs. Gorski, but her first name was, was Rachel, gets a phone call. And she gets a phone call from this, you know, reformed woman. And she says, you know, like, I don't know how to say this to you, but can I come over and talk to you? I had a, a dream. You know, like, how do you explain to somebody that had a dream and they want to talk over to you? And, you know, the, you know this woman did donate $25,000 for the mikvah for her daughter. She says, of course, you know, you know come, come over as soon as you can. And this woman comes over, and they're sitting at the Gorsky's kitchen table. And she says, you know, I don't know how to tell this to you, but I had a dream about your daughter. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Gorsky is, is, is like, he's like, what do you mean? She says, well, I was dreaming and, you know, sleeping. And your daughter, her name was Esther. Um, I, her English name was Jeheridan or something like that. I'm pronouncing it wrong, but Esther was her Hebrew name. She, she you know, we were, I was at the beach. And she approached me and she says, I live by the beach. And, and she says, I've never seen this beach before. Like, this is a beach that I've never seen. And she said, you know, I want you to sit next to me. And we were watching, you know, the waves. And she says, you know, I want, and she, your daughter told me, she says, I want to thank you for helping my mother with the mikvah. And she was starting to say, you did such a wonderful thing. And this daughter in her dream, she was telling this reformed woman about the importance and the beauty of the mikvah. And you should know that this is going to change the whole community. And then she goes and she starts telling this woman, I want you to tell my mother uh, the following. She says, tell mom that I love everything about the mikvah and that I was with her every time she made a decision. And, you know, like at this point, all of a sudden, you know, Mrs. Gorsky is getting like, she's like, wait, what? You know, like, you know, like getting very, very startled. And what's going on? And then she, and then this woman goes and says, tell my mother that I like those bracelets and I love them very much. And the mother is thinking of the bracelets. She's like, do you mean the bangles? You know, she, I, I bought her four gold bangles. That's probably what she's referring to. And this woman says, no, no, no. I very, very vividly remember. This dream was very vivid. I remember that she said bracelets, three bracelets. And in fact, she said one was green, one was blue, and one was white. 
And the mother, you know, Mrs. Gorski was like, what, three bracelets? I don't recall these bracelets that I bought for her. And she runs up into her room and she says, excuse me, I got it. They go up to the room and she starts going through all, she opens a drawer and she starts going through all the jewelry. And she cannot find these three bracelets. So they walk, as they walk out of the room, all of a sudden the mother notice on her own wrist that she puts on every morning without thinking three bracelets. One was green. And in it said Imuna. One is blue, and it said Jeherin Gorsi, I mean Esther Gorsi, it says her daughter's name. And the third was white that says Stop Lushan Hara. She saw that, she nearly fell to the floor. And she like, she, she composed herself, like this is something that she put on recently, like, you know, like she couldn't even begin to comprehend of what's going on. And, you know, when, once she like kind of relaxed, this woman, came and she says, you know, like the dream wasn't over. She says, she, she told me to tell you that she's very, very proud of you. And she said to me to tell you that, tell my mother that the classes given in our home are so great. But we need more. It isn't enough. There's so many kids that are off the path of Hashem. And there's so many girls and boys that need guidance. For every, we need so much more. And then this woman told Mrs. Gorsi, she said, you know, your daughter then told me that I also need to get on the right path. And I asked her in the dream, she says, how do I do that? Like, how do I get to the right path? And your daughter said that my mother will, will find a way to help you. And at this point, the mother was full, te- full-fledged crying. Tears were streaming down her, her face. And the next thing that she said, she said she, uh, the, the, mother, the, mother passed, the mother fell on the floor. This woman goes over to her and says, you know, I want, I want, the, the final thing that she said is that tell mom that I love her. I'm always with her. And the gift that she got me on my 16th birthday, the blue stone ring, I love it. And I want her to have it and wear it. And at this, the mother fell on the floor and collapsed. And once, once she was able to regain herself and wipe away the tears, she went to the safe. And she opened up the safe, and in there she pulled out a bluestone ring that there's no way that this woman ever knew of any of this stuff that she gave to the 16th, on her 16th birthday. It's been two and a half years since the passing, that since she got it, and now she wears it on her, on her, on her ring. You know, it's only bringing this, the story of this, of this girl, it's only apropos to say that she did write a poem. A 16-year-old girl wrote a poem from, uh, you know, Eatontown, New Jersey. Very short poem, but listen to this poem. Bitachon is what we need. Imuna is what we gain. The trust and love we have for him must empower all our pain. Just something that this 16-year-old girl wrote. And I brought this story really for the purpose was look at the messenger. That's really the purpose of the story. There was a, there was a need. And this doctor needed extra money to build this mikvah. And there just so happened to be a messenger in the doctor's office who has not completely disassociated with Judaism that overhears and decides to donate $25,000 for a mikvah that she has no idea what's the purpose of it for. And that's really the purpose that I wanted to present to you to see how everybody's a messenger from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And really everything can happen from any angles and we have no idea where, where it comes from, what it comes from, and how it's going to come. But the truth of the matter is, when you look at a story like this, it's not only about the messenger. You have to also look on something so powerful. You know, we all know Torah is real. We all know, like these, you know, we, we all know this. But when you hear a story like this, 
it just digs in so much deeper and be like it just makes everything so real and when you look at it at one point it makes it so comforting but at the other point it makes it so scary that we're living over here everything is so real everything that we do has so much an effect where you have this woman who had no connection to the family was able to say so many details about this girl. This is for sure a real dream. There's nothing to discuss about that. Like, there's nothing. But it shows you how authentic everything is. And when you think about that, when you think about how real things are, you start realizing how fake other things are. And we started off the class by showing the different things of how we get upset when somebody goes and insults us. When somebody goes, we have to realize those are fake. Those are not the real things. You know what the real thing? The real thing is when we realize that everything is minashamayim, everything is from Akadish Baruch Hu. When we get hurt, when we get insulted, when we get whatever it is that's all that, you know what's real? The real that it comes from God. The fact that your friend, your sister, your whatever it is hurt you, insulted you, your partner stole from you, whatever it is that's all fake. That has nothing to do with that person. That has to do with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It takes you to a level, to a point when you realize of what is reality and what is our own mindset of reality and what we produce as what we think is reality. We go through entertainment and we go through different wasting times and we go through different things if we only realize how fake everything is. How fake everything is. You ever sit and you go and you, I don't know, you, you sit by the kaisel and you're able, if you have the, ever had the, and like things in life all of a sudden start like, like what's, like, like everything just like starts like, I don't know, crumbling down like you're, when you get in the zone and you realize what life of this world is all about. It's not about getting angry and upset about a messenger. That's all they are, a messenger. You have to realize the important things in life. And the problem is when we look at the messengers and we, it, over, it overcomes us, then we fall into this, this rabbit hole of just this nonsense that's completely useless. That's not the real stuff. If we go back and realize where the messengers are and who is the one sending the message, all of a sudden life's become a little bit clearer. You know, when a person is alone, they get very scared. And once they see someone that they recognize, they feel a little bit calmer. And I can tell you this, when I was in Eretz Yisrael, you know, I, I rented a car and I was driving, and sometimes I drove in areas where, and you know, like, I was there with my daughter, and I was like, I didn't show it to her, but like, I was in the wrong area, all right? I was not in the right area. And it was, but all of a sudden, you see a soldier, you see somebody who's Jewish, even if they're not a soldier, someone with like long pace, even if it's a nachnaya, all of a sudden, you feel a little bit more calmer. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, maybe I'm on the right path. When you see someone that you recognize, you feel a little bit calmer. How fortunate we are that we're never alone. We always have HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting in front of us and always near us. Hashem tzilcha yad yiminecha, the Pesach and Tehillim goes and tells us. Hashem is our shadow. He's always near us. And if something happens to us, it's not that person. It's, the sh- it's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is overshadowing us. You know the difference between a king and a, uh, a flesh and blood and a king of like a Kaddish Baruch Hu. A king of flesh and blood, even though they want to protect you, they can protect you only so much. They can protect you from the outside. They can't protect you out of your internal areas, your internal issues, your insecurities, your health issues. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only oversees everything, He sees our inside, our outside, our emotional, our intellectual, our financial, from all angles. And if something happens, it's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed it. How much of a comfort we can take in that. When we stop for a second and we realize, like, wait a minute, this is happening because HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it happen. And I know it's getting late, so I, so I really want to end off. But I want to end off with one, with, with one thought. You know, we're speaking about messengers, the messengers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And we're really focused on today on messengers that are messengers towards us. Like meaning that someone's doing something to me. But just for like a minute or two, I want to just bring, at least bring up the point of realizing that just like somebody else is a messenger to you, you are also a messenger to somebody else. Chazal tells us, right? There's plenty of, Agadish Baruch has many messengers. But we are also messengers for somebody else. And you can decide if you're going to be a messenger for good or you're going to be a messenger for bad. Are you going to give tzedakah? Are you going to help somebody? Are you going to be the helping ear? Are you going to be able to listen to somebody? Are you going to be able to talk to somebody? Are you going to be able to send somebody a shear? Are you going to be able to get, whatever it is, are you going to be the messenger for good? Or are you going to assault the person? Are you going to hurt the person? Are you going to do something negative to that person? At the end of the day, you are the messenger. The messengers do get punished though, unfortunately, or and rewarded. Of course, we have to mention that. So the question is, messengers come to us, but we also cannot forget that we are also the messenger to the other people. We are the messenger to, our, to, to whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides to, you know, to send us to. So while we realize that our life and everything that happens is directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we shouldn't be bothered by the messengers. And again, the way to be able to tap into that, the way to be able to conceptualize that into reality, is not to just wait for when the messenger happens, but rather to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every aspect of our life. And then we're going to be able to associate, okay, wait a minute, this too is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why am I going to be upset? And once we realize that, everything falls away. We start seeing reality. We don't see the fake stuff. We don't start getting upset about the stupidity, about the little things that even though maybe the person hurt you, maybe the person bothered you, but if we realize that it's not that person, it's rather it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're not going to be hurt by it. Our relationships are going to be improved. Our marriage are going to be improved. Our business, Everything is going to be improved. And finally, the point that we have to realize is that just like other people are messengers to us, we are messengers to other people. And it pays very, very much so to be able to be the positive messenger and not the negative messenger. And we'll open up to any uh, questions. Okay. Oh, we don't have so many questions over here, but let's go through it. If a person hurts or insults me, I know I'm supposed to believe that it's from Hashem, but I, am I also supposed to believe that what they said isn't true? And I was simply meant to get an insult from Hashem because when someone insults me, the issue isn't who said it, it's what they said that hurt. Are you saying that I also shouldn't believe what they said and simply say that Hashem wanted me to get an insult? So that is a good, that's actually a great question because when someone gets insulted, there is the insult and then there is the information on the insult. So there's two different assets that we need to look at. While, yes, the information, well, let's say, the insult is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the information is also from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Meaning that we also have to, to I don't want to say to delve into this insult and this information, because sometimes it's false. It's like completely like nonsensical, like, like just like out of nowhere. 
And that's because like the other person is just like not well, and they're just whatever they put it in. But at times, like this bracha wants to give us a message, so he sends this message through this insult, and we have to stop for a second and be like, wait a minute, maybe I have to go and I have to think about it. And I'll, I'll tell you a personal example. You know, when I first started speaking, I would speak very fast, very very fast, and you know, and people complained. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I could say, if you don't like it, there's plenty of other speakers that you could listen to. And I uh, speak slow, and you could go to them. But, you know, I was like thinking, like, no, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't speak, so maybe I need to slow down. So I would, you know, I went and I tried to work on myself. Again, sometimes I, it gets a little bit out of control, and I know I still speak a little bit faster. But it's something that I have to also take in. So I took, you know, the, it was, I don't know if I could say it's an insult, whatever. You know, like I didn't take it as an insult, but it's, 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 there's a message, and then there is the effect that it has on you emotionally. Um, and not that I, I please, but anybody that said that I speak fast, no, nothing personal. Like I appreciate any negative, positive, whatever, neutral feedback. Feedback is very good. That's how we improve in life. Okay, an example of what I was saying before would be a, oh, okay, would be a high school seminary job rejection. Everyone says it's the biggest bracha because it directs you exactly where you need to go. But at the end of the day, there's a reason they rejected you. Are you saying we should only believe the only reason they reject you is because Hashem wanted to direct you where you needed to go and that has nothing to do with you? So yeah, so if let's say, that's a, that's a good example because that's a little bit different. That's not, if let's say um, you got rejected and for, for reasons that are like, you're a good person. You know, like everything is, is, is good. Like if a person is not sneers and not this and not on the level and they get rejected, it'll be like, okay, well, look at yourself. You know, you're not, you're not quality material for that. But if you're a good person and you really are appropriate for the school or for whatever it is and you got rejected, then you realize that yes, 100% this is from a Baruch And it goes, by the way, the same thing with dating. If, if you're dating a good guy and the guy decides to reject you, but, and you're a good girl, and you're good, you could say, okay, like, this is from Akadish Baruch But if you're dating a good guy, and you're not, you're dressed in modest, and you, you know, you, you do things that maybe is not so appropriate, you can't say, well, it mu-, you know, like, okay, well, I don't understand why this great guy is, no, this great guy is not, is not dating you, because, uh, you know, let's be honest, you're not a great girl. You know, like, if you'll be a great girl, and be like, no, don't worry, everybody's great. Okay, fine. You know, that's what your mother should say. But, like, when people got to be, like, with all honesty, you go according to your levels. The Gemara says this, right? Everybody gets a Vugim according to their level. So, if you're on a high level, you get a high level guy. If you're on a lower level, you get a lower level guy. If you're on a, on a low level and you get upset that why is this high level guy not going out with you or not continuing to date with you, then it's something that you have to look at from both angles. Number one is that obviously, again, it's from Akadish Baruch but also maybe I should work on myself to become on a little bit of a higher level. Okay, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that, Rivka, for saying that it was a good class, and that's why it was delayed. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Uh, again, I, I really apologize for the delay and for the, um, uh, you know, for, for the technical difficulties. I, I hope that it comes out clear for what we have now. Uh, but yes, oh, thank you so much for, for posting it over there. Yeah, if anybody wants to donate to the camera, uh, you put it over there, and if you could just send me an email to uh, Rabbi Zitron at TorahAnytime.com. Um, so that I could just send, so I know where we're holding in uh, um, raising money. And I like that final line. Any rejection is a redirection. Love it. Love it. That's a great line. That should be a bumper sticker. Jews should be the one making a bumper sticker, you know, like, because it's like so much better than the stuff that goes out there with just like nonsensical stuff. Like, if you're sitting in, if you're sitting in traffic, might as well learn something when you're sitting behind the, you know, a car and let them have the, you know, like, instead of having all these, uh, you know, nonsense stuff. Okay. Um, I think we had another question that came in over here. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, that's so interesting and how 
I have a question that came in on my phone, but not on this. Okay, um, the question is over here, what if you see clearly what happens was from Hashem that just makes it more painful because then there's no one else to blame? How can you use a horrible experience and you know it's Hashem's fault to go grow closer to Him rather than um, rather than further? So, so, so really this is a whole nother class. So let's say you realize something like this, Baruch So the question is, can you start getting, can you start getting angry at a Kaddish Baruch Like, wait a minute, why are you doing this to me? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, how could you, how could you do this to me? So, the, the reality of it is, is that if you have a healthy relationship with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and even if you don't, then you could get to it. But when you realize that everything that happens is for the best, and whatever Akdash Baruch Hu is doing for you is for the best, that even though something is negative, you're not going to see it in that negative light per se. And I, I just realized now that I have a bunch of questions that came in here. Well, I don't know about a bunch um, uh, that came into the other Zoom thing. So let me just go quickly through it, um, through that. Okay, I know that they're a messenger, but what if you're upset that due to their bad deeds, they merited being the shliak? So... That is a great question because really, you know, there, who is a messenger that's going to give you a bad thing is the person that's, you know, merited as the question, questioner, uh, mentioned over here, uh, the, 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 so to speak, of being the delivery of the bad, of the bad news. While that is correct that they had to merit being that shliach, that has nothing to do with you. Like that's between them and Akadish Barhu. So there are many times that we get upset because it affects us. And then it's many times that we say we get upset because of something called the principle. And really it's not about the principle. It's really another way. It's, it's really a personal thing. So we either get upset or we don't get upset. And if we realize that it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then the fact of how when they merited and they got it and they were the shliach and they were the messenger, why couldn't it be somebody else? That means that you're getting upset because you don't fully comprehend the idea that they were the messenger. You're still blaming them for the mess, for being the messenger. And again, to get compensation, whatever it is, it's certain, I'm, I'm not saying this is a blanket, uh, uh, you know, situation, but there is, there is a, a, a point of when you understand this concept that it will, I shouldn't say when you understand this concept, when you internalize this concept, then you won't have this negative feeling even though they were the messenger. Again, it's a level that's not, it, it's, it's a level. Okay. Uh, okay. We answered that question. Okay, next. Sometimes when I'm in a lot of pain, it's hard to verbally say thank you and can only say it in my mind. Does it still count as gratitude, Fila? And if yes, it is a lower since the words didn't come out of your mouth, like according to health, Fila. Okay, so, so when somebody, th- there is levels to many things in life and including gratitude, meaning that if you are, if something like, if something bad happened and you're grateful for the bad to happen, there's levels to how you can be grateful for that, right? Technically, we need to be on a level that we need to be able to bless HaKadosh Baruch for the bad, just like the good. But most of us are not on the level. But if we're able to get close to that level, there's partial credit. So even if you're not fully there, and you're not fully being grateful to the level that you said it, or it's still counted as something, of course, is there room for improvement, and there's a way to go 100%, and you should strive for that. But it's definitely worth something, and you should definitely continue at least that. So next question is sometimes when I'm in a lot of pain, it's hard to verbally say thank you. Can you say it only in your mind? Oh, this is what we just mentioned. Okay. 
I don't know why this, okay, I guess it came in twice on my phone. Okay, yes. Um, okay, next question. If I, if I take a credit card and I know someone would like to cover the rest of the costs of Rav's, ca- oh, okay, fine. Yes, you could, you can message me, you can message me afterwards, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for, for any details on, uh, you know, on, the remaining balance of what we have. We already have Bar Hashem, some of it covered already. Um, uh, so, so yeah, anything that, whatever you want to, to, to work out, you could message me privately. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know what's weird? I now realize that some messages came on both. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try to make sure I get everything, but I may miss something and I apologize. Oh, here, okay, next question. What is the name of the family regarding the mikvah story so I can look it up in the internet and send the story to their friends and family? So it's, um, uh, it's the Gorsi, um, oh, it's a shame I don't have it over here opened up because I have to restart my, my computer. But it's, uh, Gorsi in Eatontown, in Eatontown, um, New Jersey. Uh, I believe it's G-O-R-C-E-Y. Um, I believe that it's Dr. Stephen Gorsi, a gastroenterologist, who is the father. But if you can't find it, uh, message me and I'll, and I'll, I'll find it. I'll send you the link of the, of, you know, of the story. Okay. Um, uh, oh, here we go. If, if I can mention the, the daily giving, new campaign to donate as an Aliyah Neshama for Benjamin Rail Ben Gershon Yeshaya. He was a person who saw Parnassa as a pipeline straight from Hashem that provided responsibility and privilege. And here's the link. Okay. So the link is, is not shared. I could, I don't know if you're able to share it on, uh, you know, let me see if I could. Um, so first of all, daily giving is amazing. So everybody should, you know, go to daily giving. I mean, we haven't mentioned daily giving in a while, so we really should, you know, bring up, you know, da- daily uh, giving again, where you're able to donate a dollar a day, and it goes to so many amazing organizations that you could tap into that you uh, would ordinarily not not be able to, or wouldn't even think about uh, donating to, and you can be part of tens of thousands. Well. Right now, there's I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. I think there's ten, twelve thousand you know dollars um, that's given daily uh, to these different organizations. So you definitely want to be a part of it. It's an amazing organization. One of these things that's just like it's so awesome, and you definitely want to be part of. And if you're not part of it yet, or if you are part of it, you could double down and you could go to dailygiving.org. And it, it, it's just something that you can be a part of something so amazing. And it's a dollar a day, you know, like a buck a day could get you so far and you could be involved in so many organizations. So amazing. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think I have some more messages over here and then we're going to close it off. I heard that another's Bechira, oh, another Bechira is able to affect you even if you don't deserve it. Is that true? And how does this, um, how does this work? I wonder why this is, okay, I guess I need to hold this thing over here. So yes, that is true, um, but it's, it's, it's actually quite a long, uh, discussion for me to, to explain it. There is two classes that I will, uh, recommend you listen to this. Uh, I have two classes on free will and I touch upon this subject in uh, one of it. I believe the title of the class is, is Somebody Else's Free Will Can Affect Me. And if you can't find it, please reach out to me and I'll send you links to the class. Uh, I believe it's in the Divinity series. Okay. What is the name of the... Okay, I said that already. Uh, this reminds a story about... Oh, looks like I lost over here this. Okay. Um... Sorry. Okay. Oh, perfect. Okay. All the, all the stuff is out there. Okay. Thank you all for joining. I apologize for the late hour. I apologize for the delay of the technical difficulties. Thank you all for joining. And again, apologies for this, for so much of a delay of, um, 
you know, of, of you know, coming back to the classes. Baruch Hashem, we're, we're back. Happens to be that as time goes by to make these classes has been extremely, becoming more and more difficult. Um, I, you know, my plan is to continue, uh, but, but, you know, just bear with me. If there's a week here, a week there that we're not able to do it, I really appreciate everybody joining to the live because without you guys, there would not be a class. I, I, I'm not one of those people that are able to, uh, you know, do it without, uh, without, you know, just speak to myself. People are able to. I unfortunately do not have that, uh, power, I guess I could say. It's, it's my deficiency. So I appreciate every single one of you, uh, you're coming and thank you for bearing, uh, with me during the uh, the little vacation that uh, that we had. That being said, let uh, oh okay Barbara, I have a question. yeah we we had yeah Shira go ahead. Um, I, uh, Rabbi Mizraki has said that, and I've seen it somewhere in the Torah um, that Hashem um, will pay evil to their face. So when El Chapo decided to. Uh, deal drugs and the billions of pounds from Mexico to America. Um, so Hashem paid him to his face on earth and that um, maybe had he not, well, had he not done um, evil, then Hashem will pay him uh, in the world to come. You're saying that maybe, I, I, are you saying that maybe he got more money because he got reward for all his good deeds in this world? Right, yes. That's, that's, a, that's what Rocky said, and it's somewhere in the Torah that says that. Yeah, yeah, that uh, Kedis Baruch pays. Yeah, Kedis uh, Baruch pays uh, wicked people in this world so they don't get anything in the next world. That is a great, great point. I love, that's a great, great point. Um, uh, 100%. 100% is it possible, but again, he was decreed that he was going to make that money, let's say the previous Rosh Hashanah, because he wasn't going to get anything else in the next world. He would have still been able to get Again, we're only saying this after the fact that he was already a drug dealer. But technically speaking, he, if the, the point that I was bringing up is that if it was decreed, you're going to get it. If it wasn't decreed, you weren't going to get it. So granted, he was decreed. It was a negative decree. It might look like a positive decree, but really it's a negative decree because he's getting the money, but now he's not going to get anything in the next world. Again, we're not God. We're not, you know, like, we're not judging. I, I, I'm not, I'm, you know, to nobody. We, we, we can't. But, but what you're saying is, is yeah, 100% accurate. Great, great point. Thank you. And the ship is measure for measure. So if you're going to do evil, you're going to get evil. If you're going to do good, you're going to get good. And... 100%. 100%, 100%, great point. Okay, we had one final question that came in over here, and we'll say that, and then we'll we'll close it off. I have an elderly parent who isn't listening to the doctor's suggestion to do a small surgery. This parent is presently taking a medication that can lead to irreversible damage to major organs, and as a result, will end up in a nursing home. She won't listen to any family or specialist. Her negative response is driving all of us away, and I don't know what to do about it. My sister said that mom is an adult. She's capable of making her own decision. She has to deal with the consequences. Truth is, we're technically our guardians. What can I do? So, first of all, this is a, a, a heavy question because there's a few things that have to come into play over here. Number one, are you, or let's say, the power of attorney? Do you have, do you, you know, is she in the right mindset to make, you know, the decisions? Um, and if if she, so... The, the answer will be differently depending on the response to that question. If she's on a sound mind and she wants to make her own, uh, so yeah, she's in the right minds. If she's in the right mindset, then I, w- I would 
go to try to get a reasoning of why she's refusing it. Um, because you can't convince somebody anything unless you hear them out and you validate what they're going through and then you could try to convince them. So it depends of what the reasoning is and feel free, you could uh, reach out to me and if there's something that I could help and maybe try to like give you a little bit of a step-by-step of what I feel maybe might be beneficial, you could uh, you know, feel free to, 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 to text me and we'll set up a time to talk. Um, uh, but, but the best way is really to get, if she's of sound mind, to get her to agree to it and she might have a certain fear of preventing it or she might have a certain mindset maybe right maybe wrong but at the end of the day it is if she's on the right set of mind then you know like it is her life and it is her uh, right to choose of what she wants to do but again according to the Torah we go very strongly we follow medical advice and if that's the thing that it's it's having the right conversation or at least trying to have the right conversation and trying to listen and trying to validate and trying to guide to the right place but again if there's anything that I could help maybe more details and maybe we could go please feel free to reach out to me okay all right whatever it is it should be with a complete refuah shalema um rabbi can I add something yes about like four or five years ago, I had a dream of one of my neighbors who passed away. She was in Zorm when she passed away, okay? And then I had a dream that she had like a crown on her head, and it was like gold, and she had like diamonds. And then a few, I thought I was free. I didn't tell anyone the dream. And then a few years later, I told my dad and my brother the dream, and he said you had a dream of her in Ghana, because it's in Gemara, that um, um, righteous people have like a crown on their head, and they're so happy, and she was so happy. And so in the dream, after I was asked, like, what, like, what, like, where are you? And I couldn't talk. I said you had a dream for Ghana. Does that make sense? Is it? Po- can I, it, it's definitely possible. I thought, I thought it was crazy. I didn't tell anyone until years later. I didn't even know like the Ghana things like that. Like a crown, like. It's definitely possible. I mean, it's it's hard for me to say if if you know what. No, the, I didn't even think before that would happen. Right. I didn't have any idea where it was the, like, it's possible. It's very possible. I'm sorry, a lot of people with near-death experiences and um, experiences, uh, yeah, the the, uh, the loved ones that have passed on will come and visit you sometimes. Um, oh, I never had any Or ask your own well, now you did. Um, it, yeah, that's very real. Yeah, scary, no? Scary, but, but comforting at the same time. But anyways, all right. Thank you all for joining. Until next week, Bezat Hashem. Have an amazing, amazing, amazing week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.